0: Best podcast in Long Beach, California. This is Tacos and Workouts. Hola, Lecomes, it's me, Little Hater. And guess what, Dad? This podcast is brought to you by Tapatio Nuts. You had me at Hola. So go out and get some of uh, these
1: nuts. It's Tapatio Nuts. <laughs> what it is, what it is.
0: Podcast. Hola, Lecomes, it's me, Little Heater. Welcome to the best podcast in Long long beach we have richard Villa with us you seen him on the netflix you seen him on the comedy central you seen him passing you on the freeway flipping you off because you're
1: driving too slow doc tell him who you is tell him who you is hello man how's everybody going hi it's richard Villa, and for some reason i find myself here with you i have no idea what i'm doing here <laughs> i love it though i love it it is beautiful though something about long beach i've always been a big fan of long beach the area everything man i lived here at the beginning of my comedy career i lived here in long beach man these are my beach? stomping grounds yeah pine street all that stuff
0: yeah you know it's 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 i love long beach dog i don't know like before i moved into long beach dog i was like now nah, never live in long beach but sauce it got me dog and here i am yes. dog loving life dog yeah,
1: and I'm surprised they haven't arrested us or anything, bro. <laughs> See, I'm like, can we do this here, bro? Hey, you Doc, gotta... I don't know if, if they let you know, but I'm a little hater. I do whatever I want, little Doc. Ha- little hater, you can do whatever you want? I wants. do whatever I want, Doc. All right, little <laughs> hater. My mom, if I get arrested, ask for little hater, the, the little <laughs> hater crime. That's what. That's where they got me. Go ahead, bro.
0: Come on, Doc. Out of all people, you should know, Doc. I about, know. About living life dangerous, That's, that,
1: that's why I got to look five steps ahead, bro, <laughs> living in the streets to teach <laughs> you that shit, man. Watch it hey, out, Doc. <laughs> I mean, your head on the swivel, baby <laughs> This is Long Beach <laughs>
0: hey, hey, man, you know what, Doug? A lot of people don't know Doug But I invited you, Doug,
1: for one simple question
0: Where's it at, Doug? Where's it at? Yeah, where's it at, Doug? <laughs> La Lavadita Yeah, that's oh, right, Doug that was, That's that right. years,
1: years ago, bro Years ago <laughs> you, you were the Pablo Escobar at I, 10 years old, Doug At 10 years old, bro My dad was was having us run a small business in Compton called <laughs> Selling Crack and Cocaine Um, and, and it's, it's weird. A lot of people ask me, dude, did you really sell crack? Yeah, man. Like, it was a hustle. My dad was one of those guys, bro. My dad could skin a cat 14 different ways. And when he found out he can crack cocaine and he can mix it up, my mom can cook it, I can translate it, my uncle can promote it, bro, he was all about it. He was like, this is going to be a great business. And we started selling crack. Hey, doc, they could make a movie of your life, God, It would be the wonder years on crack. I, that's what I would cuz I had a love interest. Keisha was my neighbor. And and even though I still cracked her dad, there was still love there, you know what I mean? <laughs> and and I understood like what was going on and, and Keisha was 13 and at the age, I was like 11, 12 when I started like you know, you you fall in love as a kid and she was a beautiful girl and and I remember one day her Her dad and my uncle were arguing, and they saw us playing together. And my uncle said, ooh, she's going to get a little Mexican in there. And her dad got mad. He said, Keisha, I'll give you a dollar if you beat him up. Keisha beat the hell out of me, bro. (laughs) Dude, she beat the shit out of me, bro. I was like, oh, dude, I would have gave her five bucks and she would have kissed me, man. Yeah, she, broke and I, and she broke my heart, God, bro. Like, she beat the shit out of me for a dollar. Man. She didn't know I liked her, you know what I mean? I, I get it. A dollar's a dollar back then, and, you know, she was 13. So not not only <laughs> well, not
0: only were you like a, like a drug dealer, but you were also like a prize fighter, and you didn't even
1: know it. Nah, I wouldn't call myself a prize fighter because I lost, and that wasn't the first time Keisha kicked my ass. It was a couple of times. <laughs> But I, I gave it a, a good try. I got a few licks on her shoe <laughs> <laughs> once I fell. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's that's why I'm traumatized now, man. <laughs> I don't any girl named Keisha. <laughs>
0: hey, that' cause cause women be breaking Our hearts all the time, Doug.
1: Oh bro, I, I hope that was the only thing she did was break my heart. It broke my arm. Broke my... Nah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. So, so how is
0: it that your pop started like, and you started like doing the business,
1: Doug? The, the whole business started because, the, you know, out of necessity, my dad was was out of work, didn't have papers, and, and he just an opportunity, fell on his lap, and it's not, I'm not going to tell you that my dad was an angel, it's not like, oh shit, it's a, it's a beautiful story, we came out of nothing. No, my dad was just a hustler, bro, and, and this was just another hustle, but instead of getting people that he couldn't trust, he got people he could beat up, so he got his kids, so he's like, all right, fuck it, my kids, they're my employees, like any small business, you start with the kids cooking the crack was the kind of the tricky part that my uncle had to teach us how to do but once my mom got the hang of it bro it was like making cookies except you can lick the spoon at the end that's all (laughs) but but it it was I talk about it so freely and people go why do you talk about it it, well first of all everybody's dead now so nobody's going to jail second of all It it, it really didn't bother me because when you live in that type of environment, when your your family sells crack, it it is what it is, bro. It's the family business. You don't see it as a bad thing because your mom and dad say it's okay. They just tell you to shut the fuck up. Don't say anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you grew up like any other kid, man. My dad still spanked me, gave me my, well, I took some of my allowance. You know, because he starts skimming off the top, bro. When you sell crime, so much money, things are being moved around. Dad doesn't know anymore. But, you know, I did. I did pinch. He's not going to notice this 20s guy. No, then... no, bro. It was always a, you know, a little bit. You take out the skim off the top, as we say in the business. <laughs> so as a young kid, I was carrying 300 bucks with me, bro. That you means know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I was bawling. As a 10-year-old, I could buy other kids shit. I was, you know, I was a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn dog, it,
0: it, it's beautiful, dog. You know, to, to to think that you were balling as a kid. But what are you doing now, Doug?
1: You know. Well, now I'm doing comedy. Now I'm doing another type of hustle, and that's what I tell people. I think that's what my dad gave me. My dad gave me the ability of hustling, cause he could hustle, man. If if for some reason your parents fixed their paperwork in the '80s, is because my dad gave you a fake. Uh, he got a letter from the government Saying that you've been here for so many years So yeah. he will uh, uh, falsify yeah. uh, What is it? Falsification falsifying those, those documents And he would get everybody papers, bro And he was making a ton of money And I asked my mom Why is it, man? My dad being such a big hustler, the guy that could fucking move and just generate money. This motherfucker generated money like crazy. Why wasn't we rich? And my mom said, because he was stupid. (laughs) I said, what? He says, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm just writing down the amount of money my dad would generate a month in the 80s. And you're telling me he kept nothing? Nope. Everything went to bitches and money and fucking spending. And fucking he had two families. You have a brother your age. You have a sister your other brother's age. Your dad fucking was stupid. I was like, damn. But he could hustle, bro. He could. I don't know if it was a fact that he knew he was spending it so fast that he needed to generate it again. But imagine if we would have gave my dad an education. That mother, motherfucker would have found a hustle where all he needs is a microphone and convince people to come here and hear him talk and charge him 25 bucks. No inventory, no nothing, bro. Everything is in here. You just show up. As a matter of fact, you don't even bring a mic. The mic is waiting for you. And you're still charging everybody 25 bucks and you go home. Damn, dog. Now, that's the ultimate drug. That's the ultimate hustle, comedy. This is what my dad taught me. My dad said, no inventory, motherfucker. Keep it all here. And walk out with nothing, bro. And you took all the money. That's the biggest hustle. So making people laugh, bro. Hey, you went. It. You went from slanging coke to slanging to jokes. slang coke, slanging jokes. Yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, it's the same that you. The same you few, the, uh, you, uh, euphoria that you're gonna feel with the fucking drugs. You feel it with us. So a full hour of comedy. You're like, all right, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it. Started. It's just a different kind of good feeling I'm giving. That's all.
0: Yeah, because people like to feel good, man. It, it, it's, it's, like, it's like when you make somebody feels good, it's like laughing, and then you laugh. It, it's, like, it's, it's
1: almost like a drug itself, dog. Exactly. That's what we're selling today, bro. <laughs> Some people don't like the drug. Not everybody's going to like cocaine. Not everybody's <laughs> going to like weed. Hey, you don't like me? You don't like me. <laughs> I get it. Go get a fucking butt light. I get it. You're a butt light guy. <laughs> so how, how, how do you start your comedy career, though? How did i start my comedy career i had to become an engineer first to become a comic so i'm working in irvine uh working as a comedian and uh i mean working as an engineer and one night there was an open mic at the irvine improv we went in we tried it and then i got the the, the niche and the very next show i i got to see the get locals tour in riverside and when i saw that i walked into that theater and i saw Felipe, Willie Barcena, Gabriel Iglesias, Mike Robles, and Armando Cosillo. And afterwards, they were really nice. They were all talking to all the fans. And then Armando Cosillo says, Hey, we do a show in Tortillas if you really want to be a comic. Bro, that was it. Tortillas was the first spot Willie was hosting. And I didn't know that he was going to be hosting it. I was losing my mind. And uh, I went up for the first time at Tortillas, bro. And people that know comedy, no tortillas, they know it's the legendary spot. You would go there to eat shit. Like I'm not gonna tell you that I killed I ate shit, bro. Everything And was where I. was this tortilla spot at And para, and Manobello? Uh, uh see? Yeah, Manobello. I think it was Manobello. Yeah. I forgot, man. It was such a long time. And they changed his name every other fucking I, I, I just found out who Willie Persena is, Doug. You just found out? Yeah, Doug, you know, cause like Doug, I'm a dumb vato, Doug. You know, <laughs> I,
0: I I don't pay attention to names very well and stuff like that. And and as you know as
1: so I grew up as a poor vato, Dad. So welcome to the club. Yeah, Dad.
0: <laughs> no, you got money, Dad. You have Bro, money, Dad. No, on. this is
1: the thing with my Dad. With my Dad, it was always we had money. But it was like, no, we can't show it. But motherfucker, you drinking it all? You're snorting it all? You're fucking bitches. That's why we can't show it all. You're like, hey, save some for, for, yeah, for later. Yeah. Well, why do you think I kept skimming off the top? Save some for me for later, dog. Yeah. Like, One day I'm gonna want to be doing that stuff, dog. The, the only generation of wealth my dad gave me was diabetes. That's all he left behind. He said, like, here you go, me You can have that. That and a stolen TV from the riots in '92. That's all I had. That's my generation of wealth.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs> so I recently found out about about Willie Barcenet, dog. Because I didn't I didn't watch TVs that much because it was always like, I can't watch, you know, like these shows because that is like Telemundo, 34, you know? Mm. So I couldn't watch it. But now like I, that I'm doing like most of the comics, I'm finding out who everybody is, dog. And I, and I know a lot of people, but sometimes the people that I know now, people don't know them, dog. So I think that I like to invite, like, interesting, firme people who are talented people on my show, and that's why I want to be like, hey, you know what? They got to come on my shows, dog. That's why I invited you, dog. Hey, thank
1: you, bro. Thank you. I hope you never lose those glasses because you're screwed. Where the hell are you going to get another
0: mustache like that? (laughs) Hey, hey, dog, you know me, dog. I'm a little hater. I always got something on my sleeve, carnal. (laughs) I figured it out, dog. I always figured it out. Yeah, Doug. So you started doing your comedies with them, and then um, when was it easy when you started doing your comedies, or people were, were not, like, giving you the time of day, or what's that, Doug?
1: Uh, no, like anything else, bro. You In the beginning, you suck. Nobody's going to really support you because they don't really know you, and nobody wants to take a risk. And, and really, the guys that I was around with, they were trying to figure it out. So for me to ask them, hey, can you help me? They're like, well, who's going to help me if I help you? So it was that type of situation. So at the end of the day, you know what? Like I tell you, man, my dad instilled that in us where, okay, it's not this way. Then let me create this way. And then I'm going to go this way. And right away, a month into my comedy career that I decided it was right after my first show, I said, you know what? I'm going to go get this bowling alley. I'm going to stop producing my own show. I'm not going to wait for somebody to book me. I'm going to book myself. And that's it, bro. I I did that. I booked myself and I put on a show and and I went out instead of asking for work. And one month into comedy, instead of asking for work, I came in going, who would like to get booked? And now the phone numbers came because I remember when I first went out to to get booked, I would say, well, can I have your phone number and I can call you? Maybe we can hang out. Nobody would give me their number. But then I figured out if I put on my own show, they're all going to want to give me their number because they're all looking for work. So I had to become that person just to have a place to perform. You got to be the man to be the man. And I don't want to be the man. I want somebody else to do the work, but nobody wanted to do it. So I had to do it. And I said, "Okay, fuck it. I'll do it. But what that led me to do is once you're the guy creating the moves or making the moves, nobody can stop you because nobody knows you're creating the path. That's also what I learned as a young comedian. I was like, "Okay, as long as I I create my own path, nobody can stop what you're doing. Nobody knew I was going to book that bowling alley, so they couldn't stop me.
0: So you started with the with the bowling alleys, and then you started like producing other shows in different places.
1: Yeah, and then it, it it just that that opened my eyes to going, okay, I have to create my own path, I have to create my own way, and so I started doing a bar in Linwood. And Jeff Garcia shows up and it's packed to the gills. He's like, who packed it out? I said, me, how I told people come see me and they just keep coming. He's like, why don't you take this to the Hollywood improv? So three years into my career, he sends me into the Hollywood improv and that's it, man. We blew up, refright started and all of a sudden, man. Um, we were selling out every Friday night. It became one of the hottest fucking nights, dude, for 10 years straight, dude.
0: But, but for those people that don't know, like,
1: what, what's refried, means? refried? Refried comedy is the name I gave that night because I and people always say, oh, that's refried beans. No. If you read it a little bit into history, I always wanted to do Spanish comedy. That's always been my first initial passion. I just didn't know where nor how. So my comedy, I always knew I was going to do it in Spanish. And in in Mexico, when you did a song in Spanish, that it was an English song, it called the refrito. Ah, ah esa like, canción refrita. Esa está en inglés y tú la hiciste en español. Esa refrita. And I was like, oh, that's pretty dope, dude. So I got the name and I said, because I'm going to my vision of the refry show was always to make it a full bilingual show where it was Spanish and English comedy. So I would always do Spanish comedy there. I would always invite comedians that just did Spanish comedy, peluche and all those guys. I kept impulsing that into my audience so they understood there is Spanish comedy, guys. This is not just English. So I started doing that with the refried show. And that's really why I called it the refried show, because you didn't know what you were going to get it in Spanish or English. Or if it was going to be an English joke that I do now in Spanish. So that's where the name comes from. But everybody said, oh, it's the refried bean show. Call it whatever the hell you want. I'm calling it refried. And there was a lot of people that were opposed to that name. A lot of people told me, don't call it refried. As it, why white, why like what? What's wrong? The, with the stigma they they said, oh, you're it's it's you're it's a Beaner show. It's this. It's a Latino show. It's. So I was like, I don't care, man. I like it. The 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 R the refry, the the concept behind it. The fact that I know that story, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty good story. That's that's who I am. I'm I'm, I'm a little bit of both. And, and you get a little taste of it. I'm like, no, nah, that's me. Fuck you guys. I'm still keeping it. And then, till this day, there's clubs that don't want the show. They say, I don't want you to come in here and call it refried. Call it Richard Villa. Call it whatever you want, but don't call it refried. And I said, okay, but I don't care. I won't do it here. I'll do it somewhere else. And it grew. I mean, the show grew, refried grew to a huge success. And it went from coast to coast. I mean, we had refried shows in New York and Colorado and Chicago and all over Texas. So in Las Vegas. So we had Refried shows everywhere. It's just it was just too much. I was like, Refried became bigger than Richard Villa, <laughs> which is a good thing. I would imagine. No, that. it's the worst thing. Why? Because it's a name. It's a brand, and you have to continue to keep growing it. But it's Refried was a group of people. It's a band. Oh. It, it, I re, see. Richard Villa is Richard Villa. Refried. It started gr- creating its own identity, and, and it became like like SNL. But the players can come in and out. Yeah, but I can't take ReFray with me. You understand? People that that were going to the ReFray shows wouldn't necessarily come for me anymore. Because the lineups were so huge. They just went because the show itself was so successful and popular. Um, Ron White is a perfect example, bro. He comes in with Alex Raymundo, one of the and Kings of Comedy. And they show up that Friday night. It's packed to the gills. Ron White goes up and just bombs. In front of all these Latinos, they all speak English. They all speak. This is not a Spanish show. This, these are all American people. By the way, let me make it clear: the show was all in English. Everybody that came in spoke English. They bought their ticket in English. Everything was in English. Ron White goes up on stage and just doesn't connect. They just don't get it. They look at it as sarcasm. They look at it as cockiness. They don't like it, and they just didn't laugh. He gets off. Alex Remundo goes up there and destroys. And of course, they connect and they relate. But that's what the manager told me. That's why they come here, because they don't know. They don't know Ron White. So right now, he found out that those jokes he just did are not universal. Those jokes will not work in the West Coast. Those jokes will not work on your Netflix, because your Netflix has to reflect the world. Your Netflix has to reflect America. So they would go there, and they would test their stuff uh, who else? Chris Rock. Chris Rock, when he was doing the Oscars, I remember he would stop, stop by and work out his material there, and then he would go to the store. And then, But he did it to everybody. It just so happens Friday night was the Latino night. And if anybody wanted to try some material out, you find a new voice there, bro. They, okay, even Latinos like this one, then this joke's really good because they don't even know my fucking name. And that's a problem. When you become a comic, they'll just laugh. You show up and you say, what's up, everybody? And they're already laughing. It's hard, dog, because, like you said,
0: sometimes like you show up and then, like, you like people like already expect you to be funny, but they don't know. And it's your job to make them funnies, man. And, and, and it's like I, I recently started going to the store and went to all these different places and I saw some like very famous people. I'm not going to say who they were, but the, the, I know who they were because I follow comedy. Mm-hmm. But like the people weren't laughing because they didn't know
1: who they were. Doug. yeah, they don't know who they are. So they a good place. But now do they come to laugh? Yes. Are they going to be honest with you? Yes, because they did laugh. They laugh at the good shit. They laugh at the bad. They didn't laugh at the bad shit. Good story, dude. Charlie Murphy shows up with Eddie Murphy. Okay. They both show up. To your show? Huh? To your show? To my show, the refry show. They showed up. They both show up. Charlie and Eddie Murphy. My manager comes to me and says, hey, Eddie's here. Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Come. He wants to talk to you. We're going to throw this guy up. Charlie, his brother. Sure, 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 sure. So I'm hosting the show. So I go up and I say say hi to Charlie, uh, Charlie Murphy. And then I said hi to Eddie. And Eddie said, can I just sit in the back? I said, sure, sure. So I set him in the back and then I go up and then I introduce. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great guest. This is right after the Chappelle show had ended. Mr. Charlie Murphy. And Charlie goes up and they're loving him. They're like, ah, it's Charlie Murphy. Ah." And as he starts his jokes like three, four minutes into it, the audience is like, well, where's the jokes?
0: Like, like, he lost his teams, kind of. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They were just like, eh. Mm, he's, he's not funny. He's not being funny. He's like, he gets, he gets to the point where he's so frustrated they're not laughing. He goes, what the fuck you guys want, man? I'm giving you my bitch shit. What the fuck you guys want? And somebody in the audience goes, your brother. Bring your brother. And I'm sitting next to Eddie, and Eddie's like, oh,
0: my God. They got him, Doc. They got him. They got him.
1: <laughs> Eddie gets up and leaves right away. He knew he was gonna bail, and then I go up and just say, All right, guys, he's a like, good night, and he got the fuck out But hey, that audience they'll give it to you. Oh, you're trailing, Mar- yeah, but then now be funny. Latinos <laughs> will hold you accountable. They'll say, Okay, now be funny.
0: It, it, it's and everybody's got an opinion of what comedy should be. Doc, check it out, Doc when I started doing my comedies at first I started off saying like little stories and stuff and then people saw like hey you know what You maybe you should do like one liners you know or just like go straight to the punchlines and stuff like that and then I started doing that kind of comedies dog and now people are telling me maybe you should do more stories dog people always got an opinion dog what's your take on that dog
1: fuck people <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck everybody's an opinion look at who's giving you the, the advice guys please please because I did that mistake as a, as a young comic I was swayed. And you know why we get swayed to do certain things and why you changed? Because you didn't know who the hell you were. And you're so insecure because there is no roadmap. Nobody tells us you're, we're not doctors. There's no school you go to and then you're going to get a degree and you just get a job. No, no, no. It's all on talent. And what is talent? And who says it's funny And comedy? So subjective. So what the fuck do I do? How how if there's no way of measuring comedy, then how do the fuck do we know if we're doing it right? You don't. What you do is this. Comedy is subjective. Hard work is not. You understand? That's what I did. I switched it over. It's okay. Hard work is not. It. And I kept telling people, I may not be the funniest, but I'm going to outwork everybody. And I'm going to outlive everybody. And here we are. We're going to be 22 years into comedy. You're still interviewing me for some fucking reason. And I'm relevant now. You understand? And then it's. That that type of mentality is just you just don't give up. You just work, motherfucker. Stop asking when the dream is happening when you haven't even put in any fucking work.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I the first time I saw you, Doug, it was because you came out on uh, Tom Segura's podcast. Uh, podcast. Yeah, I got a little story to tell you about Tom Segura's.
1: Tell me, bro. I want to know.
0: Hey, Doug, I used to hate on that. Vato. On Tom? Yeah. Doug. Why? I don't know. Doug, like I seen him on the Joe Rogan show. Mm hmm. And he goes, oh, that's my friend, handsome girls. And I'm like, I look at him, and I'm I like, man, he's a com- he's a comedian, dog. He don't even looks funny, dog.
1: He don't even looks funny. Huh? Like, he doesn't
0: even looks funny, dog. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm like, ah, yeah, whatever. So one time I was on the Netflix, right? And I'm I, like ball hog. I'm like, whatever, dog. This was not gonna be funny, right? Man, he blew me away, dog. He 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 got me, dog. And I was like laughing, and I was like, oh. and then he says, he says, um. He says that he, he could speak Spanish and I go, No, you no you can't, dog. You 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 don't speak Spanish. He's part Peruvian, dog. Yeah. And then he speaks Spanish. And I'm like, what? And then I'm like, I like this guy. He speaks Spanish, dog.
1: And does Spanish comedy.
0: I know. He, you're teaching him yeah, how to yeah, do it. No, yeah,
1: yeah, we're touring. We're working on his Spanish special right now with Tom Segura. But yeah, dude. It's it's he's really good and he has such a great rhythm to his comedy. But he founded his voice and that's what I'm telling you. No, I can't tell Tom Oh, you should do this. I can only advise Tom. Hey, Tom, if you said this, they will really connect with you there. And he does that. But other than that, it's his rhythm. It's his mannerisms. It's the way he delivers his material that his audience is used to. So when they hear it in Spanish, they laugh. And they go, yes, he still has it. Now, this is let's go back to the refry show. Now I tell Tom, okay, your fans that speak Spanish, love your comedy because they understand your rhythm and your sarcasm. Now, let's grab you and take you to Tijuana and put you in front of an audience that doesn't know who Tom Segura is. Now, give them the same jokes. Are they going to laugh the same as your fans do? I guarantee you they're not. And that's where we can make adjustments. See, I can't tell you to make adjustments here or where you lose the audience until I have a legit non-biased audience that you can perform in and say, they don't know you, bro. This is just a Spanish-speaking audience. Now kill it. Does it still work? That's what I want to know from Tom. It, it, and we haven't done that yet. We've only done Tom is going to do it in Spanish, would you like to come? And, yes, they do show up. People show up, they don't even speak Spanish just because they want to take a picture or say hi to Tom. or Tom Segura's. That's it. But do you understand? So now I'm telling Tom the challenge is putting you in front of a Latino audience that doesn't know Tom and still laugh.
0: All right, Toms, I got you, dog. You know, from, from one beginning comic to a guy that's already super chingon comedian. Come to stay with us, dog.
1: Oh, we got you, bro. We'll take you to these places. Bro. That's right. Dog. I got you here. We don't have to go to TJ. <laughs> that's right. That's why don't, don't go all the way to TJ, dog. Dude, I have Spanish shows in LA. I have Spanish shows in Long Beach that we can get Tom on. But whenever wants ready, he says, hey, let's do hey, it. But we just won't tell
0: nobody's And then no. we we'll just throw them on there. So That's, like, the oh, okay. That's the
1: whole point. That's the whole point. Because if, if Tom goes to his audience and that defeats the whole purpose, don't tell them you're going to be here. We want to throw you up. Nobody knows you're coming. And this audience is just ready for comedy. And here's Tom. And they're going, well, hey, who's Tom? And hey, you know what? Tom's
0: is like like in a perfect situation, Stag. You know, like when it comes to like, like, like comedies and fame and stuff like that. Because it's like. You know, everybody tells me, "Hey, little hater, you want to be like a comedian? You want to be famous?" And I'm like, "Not nah, that. I kind of want to be like Tom Doc. like where you're like financially like successful, and the people that know you know you, but you're not like super uber like famous, so like people don't bother you." That
1: yeah, that's, that's like that's like the
0: sweet spot right there. Doc.
1: That's a sweet spot, but it's it, it, look, man, it, it doesn't matter. Are you happy now? Well, me, yeah. yeah. Doc. Okay, no more, no more amount of money will make you any happier. The key is to be happy now 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 because money is not going to make you any happier. it's just going to make you more comfortable but work is not bad work is good you wake up you have a purpose you're going to go to work and you're happy good there's people right now bro that, that, that how can i tell you this i know millionaires i know very successful comedians are miserable miserable and i tell these young comics don't wait to live life live life now uh, enjoy yourself. stop, breathe, go. I I started, uh, playing for a softball team just because I've never did in the 20 years that I was doing comedy. In those 20 years, I didn't go to birthday parties. In those 20 years, I didn't go to weddings. I didn't go to Bautizo's. In those 20 years, I didn't see my niece's birthday parties. So I missed out on a lot of part of my life, not necessarily with my daughter and my wife, but with my other family That I was so busy. It was always chasing La Papa way, running for the next show to the next show, and maybe they can see me here, so I'm gonna go hang out over there. And maybe. So I was so preoccupied with my shit that I never got to really just be a a husband, a dad, or or like just a regular fucking cousin, you know, a, a fucking brother, because it was their birthdays, I didn't show up. So my point to you is. I feel like I would have enjoyed it more. I would've enjoyed life a lot more. But at forty four I feel like I still have a lot more time, so I'm doing my shit. Hey dog, I don't I don't know. I hate to break it to you, Doug, but I see it coming, dog. What?
0: Every comedian's got his day. And I see you like
1: being like one of like the top comics, bro. I see you like I don't know. Have you
0: had a special yet, Doc?
1: Yes, I've had a. I had a show in Spanish, a whole series, eight episodes called "Sigue la Risa." that came out on Netflix for three years. Then they resold it to Amazon Prime. Now, it lives there now. I had like four specials that I did released through Vanguard and Cine Mexicano. But other than that, no, bro. Like other than that, I don't. I don't. I don't want to do any more specials like that. Anymore. I, I, I see you
0: becoming like like bigger than than than. Uh the Escamilla guy, Doc.
1: Hey, 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 Escamilla, el señor Escamilla. Yeah. Yes. What's yes. his name? El señor Escamilla. Sí, señor Escamilla is fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Franco's? is sí, it? señor okay. Escamilla. Yeah, yeah, that guy, that. Doug.
0: Yeah, that. Yeah, Doug, you know what? Like you said, comedies, comedies is, is, is whatever. I'm not going to say it, Doug. Mm-hmm. But I see you becoming like to that level or even more, Doug. Hey. Like, for real,
1: Doug. From your mouth to God's to ears, bro, if it happens, like you said, I'm not going to say no to it. But I understand when it happens, doesn't matter. Am I still happy? That's really what it comes down to because I already saw the other side of this, man. I already saw the other comedians not be happy when it did happen to them, when they were the man, or when they are the man, and I'm like, you're on top and you're still unhappy? Okay, let me rewind. What did I miss out on that I need to? Now, now I I do things that are passionate, that that I have passion for. That's it. If I'm if I'm if I'm I'm, if I'm not into it, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not doing it. No, I don't want to go. If I didn't want to do this, I would have told you I don't want to do it. Fuck it. What for? I don't want to do it. So now I only do shit that I want to do because I think it's going to be fun, because it's different, because it's out of the norm. That's it. Yeah, you know, it's different. Dude, I'm putting together a whole TikTok where me and my brother are investing money and making our kids street vendors. And we're making miniature elotero, miniature fucking palatero, miniature frutero, miniature everything. All our kids are going to have little vending posts. Instead of lemonades, we're going to make them Mexican vendors. And create their little carts And have them earn some money That's chingon, Doug. That's chingon <laughs> Take them to the swami <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, you know what, Doug? I went to Huntington Beach And there were, like, like, like people selling, like, fruits on the beach, dog uh-huh. Like they do in Mexico uh-huh. And then I was like, damn, Doc, that's a good hustle So I started getting all, like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I should be doing that, dog So, hey, you know, that's a possibility See, right there, I dog.
1: would be the guy that then goes and makes a deal with the guys in downtown LA In the fruit market district And then start negotiating jobs here All of a sudden, I would have you, you, I have a whole union of fucking workers selling fruit here. <laughs> hey, Doug, I, I started thinking about the same thing, Doug. I was there sitting with my lady, and she's
0: all like, maybe we should sell, like, like, uh, like fruit." And I said, or, or check it out, dog. How about we get them to sell it for us? And she's all like, what? What? And then I'm all like, hey, Doug, little hitters, like, next level thinking. Yeah, now, that's chess. He's like, playing chess. He's yeah, playing it, checkers. It's, <laughs> like, it's like, back in the day, I used to be a little, like, Small-minded kind of battle, you know, with the hustle. Now I think of the big Papa's, you know. Yeah, I'm bro. Like, I'm like people be like like collecting like um collectibles and stuff like that, and I collect stocks, Carnal. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Dog? I'm like I
1: don't.
0: I'm in the big investment. Well, you
1: always have to create sleeping money. Sleeping money. What is sleeping? I'm, I'm not there. I don't have to touch it. It just generates. It generates. And then once you create enough enough avenues of income that give you sleeping money. You're done, bro. It's the hustle. Style. It's the hustle. As a comedian, you don't have to get a job, but I guarantee you, there's a hundred million things you can do to just get fifty bucks here, hundred bucks there. But now you're in charge of your own fucking schedule. You can do whatever you want, especially when you don't have any kids, man, and you don't you're not you're not married. Shit, go for it.
0: Hey, Doug, um you also do you also do uh, movies, right? You you've done movies in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I had a production company back in 2008. I opened it up two thousand and two thousand eight. 2008. We opened up Zula Entertainment. And uh, it just came up that my manager at the time did acquisitions for Cine Mexicano, and he did a lot of purchasing in the U.S. So he said, hey, would you like to start producing films? I said, what do you mean? If I can convince the board members to give you a bunch of money, would you like to produce your own feature films? Are you kidding me? I said, what, what, what are we talking about? We we're talking about a quarter of a million, maybe 250,000. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You're going to give me $250,000 to make movies? He says, yeah, no, 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 not a movie. Ten movies. All right. I didn't do the math, bro. If, if people are watching this, they understand how much a movie makes. I mean, how much it takes to make a movie. I did 10 feature films with $250,000, and it took me three years to complete the 10 feature films. Everything was delivered. Everything got distribution. There's the Primos, Trapped in the 5150, uh, Drainment of Love, uh, Hood Vengeance, uh, I can go on and on, man. We had a shitload. Con la misma moneda, uh, Chencho y su grandote, uh, I don't know. I'm losing them right now. But, yeah. And I, I involved all the comedians, man. All the comedians were part of it. Jesus Trejo is in Primos. And at, Trapo, at Trap in the 5150, my first feature film, Aurelio and Miguel Bocanega is a comic there. Uh, Robert Zapata is a comic there. And Jesus Trejo is a cholo in there. That was his first feature film. And it got national distribution from coast to coast, bro.
0: Damn, dog. Look. Like you, you, you you're a very talented Vato you, you're doing like a lot of stuff you did the movies, you're doing uh, the comedies, you know what uh, and, and you have a very interesting past Doug. I, I, I know you're a very busy Vato and you gotta go Doc but, but before we go Doug, why do not you tell them like where, where they could find you Doug like like your, your Instagrams and then if if you're producing any other like local shows like
1: let them know. Uh, well pretty soon Sevillelas so October 2nd We're working on getting on a show there. Hit me up on my social media, at Richard Comedy on Instagram or at Richard Villa Comedy on TikTok or any social media platform you can find. Or my website, just richardvilla.com. My name, richardvilla.com, takes you to all my social media platforms. You'll see it. We're working on a show in Sevilla's on October the 2nd. And that's going to be a huge, huge event because I have a lot of friends that also want to come and play with me big boys so that's going to be a big show and then we have a big project working out start keeping your eye out for el sapo it's going to be new, a new uh series that me and my brother are producing it's a mexican wrestler i play el sapo and uh, it takes you through the whole journey of, of of discovery losing the rocky story coming back from nothing
0: from nothing Doc, i love it Doc. i'm excited it's already <laughs> I used to love Mexican wrestling when I was a kid, Doug.
1: Oh, you'll love this, bro. It's, it's just comedy. It's it's literally the wrestler, but with comedy and tragedy all mixed together, bro. But it's funny. It's funny as hell. The all guy right. won't take off his mask. That's the whole thing. The guy will never. He takes a shit with a mask on, takes a shower with a mask on, everything. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like me with my glasses, Doug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, dog. There, you heard it first from, from our guest here, Richard Villa. He's a
1: funny vato. I need everybody. Look, Doug, all my subscriber... Sass. There it is, dog. Sass. That's it. If you want to know the story, if you want to hear the jokes about me selling crack, if you want to hear the stories about being married, married to a Border Patrol agent, all that shit, go to my social media and I say it to everybody. If you want to know the real story, like if you go to my TikTok in the beginning, I made it a point. I went back to Compton and I recorded my old house. I recorded my old street. I recorded my old... Like neighborhood. And I and, and I hope people that if you were watching this, now that the, my social media is growing, please confirm that that's where you got real good crack. We didn't sell potato, <laughs> motherfuckers. That was something we pride ourselves on. We didn't sell potato. And in the 80s, if you smoke crack in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You got your fucking crack. Oh, it's potato. Fuck. We didn't do that. It wasn't us. We gave you good shit. <laughs> Oh, man. We're definitely going to have to have you on. Oh, I want to a- come back. <laughs> as long as I don't arrest I think the cops are here. The cops are here. Yeah, we got to go.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. And with that said, I'll catch you guys a rato.